Welcome to the Green Machine Podcast. I'm Martin, your host today, and I'm joined by Tony Galvin. Tony will be uh, familiar to many of us Irish supporters from his exploits in the Boys in Green in Euro 88, which is 35 years on. It's right, isn't it? Yeah, that's um, called that is a long time, isn't it? <laughs> it really is. Making me feel old. Yeah, welcome anyway, Tony, and thanks for joining us. Um, I know you've been, a, as I've, many of our listeners will know, as a secretary and chairman, now of Risk London, we've had Tony um, at some of our events previously when joined by Packy Bonner the last time, which was actually yep. our 30th, 35th anniversary of the club. So, yeah, that was uh, a few years ago now as well. But we did look back then at, at Euro 88 and, uh, yeah, it was a bit fresher in the memory then. Um, Tony's joined us today because he's got a fantastic book out, which I'll show up to the screen there. This is Galvanised and this is your, your book, Tony, that you did with David Saffer. Um, and it's about the footballing tale of two brothers, basically, yourself and your brother, Chris. So tell us a bit more about how it came about. Yeah, how it came about was uh, David D. David Saffer actually has written books about Leeds players in the past. He's a Leeds supporter and uh, he, he met Chris a couple of times to get him to sign some, some books and some various bits. And then he talked to Chris about various things. And Chris said, have you ever met my brother? And uh, he said, you know, we did talk about maybe doing something together. And David said, who's your brother? So he knew Chris, but he didn't really sort of know. He knew I was, but he didn't link the two. He didn't realise that we were we were brothers. And so from that moment on, he came, I met him. And um, we decided we'd try and do something to talk about how our careers started <laughs> from a different a starting point. And finished a different endpoint, and um, basically uh, the problems he'd had as a young player at Leeds, trying to get into that very top Don Revy team, and now I sort of um, delayed my entry into football from you know, going through university, and um, his career didn't quite go the way he wanted it to, to, to go. Whereas my career sort of took off from the moment really I signed at Tottenham. I mean, it's a very fresh kind of approach to kind of doing a book as well. So I'm sure it would be of interest to lots of people. I mean, it's interesting as well. It's like one of those sliding door moments, I suppose, yeah. in the sense that, yes. you know, your brother, Chris, was a teammate in the same dressing room as someone who'd have a big part to play in your career later on, Big Jack. Absolutely, yeah. I mean, um, Chris always <laughs> said about Jack in the dressing room was, uh, like, how do we describe it? Uh, a bit of a character? <laughs> Could be a bit awkward, always catching uh, cigarettes off, off his teammates. Never had any, never carried much money around with him. Um, a proper character, one not to be messed with. Chris was uh, said he was always very wary of him, tried to keep him on side. And obviously, you, you had the famous Johnny Giles in there as well. Mm -hmm. And actually, Johnny's position was one that Chris was hoping to sort of, he was looking at that position maybe sometime in the future because obviously Johnny was getting a bit older, mm. but still a great player. So um, those two players were in that dressing room. Yeah, two absolute legends uh, yeah, without of, doubt. Uh, Irish football. Yeah, without doubt. And and we've both been, you know, we've been fortunate to have been their company in the past, of course, with yeah. West London and things. So, um yeah, we were actually at an event recently with Johnny Giles, and he was he was in great form, still still going on, very enthusiastic about Irish football, and yeah. 
like I think reflecting on on the challenges of the working with the FAI as well, and that kind of brings <laughs> yeah. us round to to you. I mean, yeah. your, your your kind of call up for Ireland. How did that come about? Well, yeah. Um, now that was um, that was the FAI FAI um, not being at its most efficient. Let's put it like that. So um, Chris and me, Chris Hewden obviously was already playing under Johnny, and then Owen Ann became manager and. Chris and me had a discussion and I said, well, you know, I've got an Irish grandfather born in Limerick, so um, I should be eligible. And so Chris said, great, I'll go back, tell Owen, the FAI will be on to it straight away. Well, about 12 months later, <laughs> I think they finally all this sort of paperwork was done. It wasn't really a lot that difficult to just have to find evidence that had been, he was born his birthplace in, in Limerick and there was some paperwork and they said they couldn't find it well anyway so that took about 12 months and uh, to make my debut which was a championship qualifier against Netherlands um, was, it Rot was it Rotterdam I'm not sure I think it was Rotterdam mm -hmm. anyway they, that was my first game but it just took such a long time and every time Chris came back off a trip a game. I said, Chris, have you heard anything? He said, no. He said, they're dealing with it. They're dealing with it. Uh, very frustrating it was. Yeah, I think it, it was against Holland, your debut and stuff. And I think, yeah, yeah in, in a steam company as well. Um, yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, it was 1982, 22nd of September. Yeah. And Rud Hullick was another player that you would come again and play against yeah. in 88. So, yes. very good Dutch side as well to take on there. Yeah, not not quite as good as a team in HJ, but no, it no. was a very a very quite an experienced team. Yeah, yeah. I mean, in those days, uh, the Netherlands were a, were a very competitive team. You know, one of the top teams in in Europe and the world. They that you know they're at that level probably for about 20, 20 years, twenty plus years. You were under some pressure though, really, as well from your club Tottenham of maybe waiting for the England call up, weren't you? Yeah, um, Ray Clements was um, was very um, sort of playing for England at the time, and Ray was very friendly with Don Howe. Uh, Don was a torch, and Don told Ray to tell me not to to make any hasty decision. <laughs> it was hardly a hasty decision, but I mean, he he just said uh, they used to be internationals in those days. What a waste of time they were. Uh, and they said, we're, we're going to pick him, put him in a squad for a B international. Um, I'm not sure if that game ever happened anyway. It didn't happen. Uh, I said, oh, no, I'm, I've decided that I want to, you know, because I was 22 when I started, when I joined Tottenham, uh, I said, time's running out. I need to, I want to play for Ireland. I've made a decision and I'm not going back. So, you know, I never looked back, never regretted it. Mm. Um, and obviously, um went full circle when we finished up playing England in 1988. Yeah, incredible times, which we will come on to fo focus on. But like, I'm just thinking it's FA Cup final weekend over here in the UK where I'm based this weekend. Yep. And you're a player who's played in two FA Cup finals. Yeah, two FA Cup finals, was in the squad for 87, but didn't play. So yeah, um, actually we played... Uh, in two seasons, we played Wembley six times because we're two replays and obviously you got the um, Charity Shield game. So it was um, it was quite a exciting sort of 12 months or more. 
Um, though 81, 82. 81 obviously is the one that always people remember because of Ricky's goal. Uh, yeah. One of the greatest goals of all time. Well, one of the greatest FA Cup goals of all time. Yeah, it certainly was. It's amazing. It was it's quite strange, actually, as well. Another sliding doors moment. I was actually on a football tour this weekend and I met a former teammate of yours, Gary Mabbott. And I said oh, to really? him, I've been chatting to you. Yeah. And uh, yeah, he's in yeah, good form. Was, asking yeah, for what was Gary? Where did you come across Gary? It was, it was at, uh, in Great Yarmouth. He was on a, it was a football oh. tour and he was a celebrity guest uh, presenter. Oh, really? Spoke fantastically well, um, oh, you know, with the kids and stuff. Really good. Yeah. And right. he's, done a, he's, done a, he's an ambassador at Tottenham as well. Yes. Like, like you, you've had that role as well, haven't you? Uh, not, on, not as an ambassador, but I did work. At, uh, I was working, uh, working there, yeah. With a few yeah. of the older players, yeah. Uh, Graham Roberts, Mickey Hazard, Phil Beal, Martin Chivers, Alan Mullery. Yeah, right, but yeah. um, a few of us were um, were uh, let go. Should we want to? Do? Ah, right. Okay. It was a bit, <laughs> it was a bit of uh, cost cutting, so we were told. So a few of us sort of stopped doing that yeah, in the yeah. summer. Um, so cost no cutting in the modern game. Like, yeah, they've got to save the when... money. They need every penny to pay those players' wages. <laughs> yeah, of course they do. Yeah, um, it's incredible. though, really thinking about your your playing in the FA Cup finals and and obviously Wembley, the old Wembley, which for some of our younger listeners probably won't <laughs> kind of resonate as much. But that yeah. was certainly an experience, wasn't it? Playing there, fantastic. Because um, when I got into the team, um, it was QPR away. The, the third round of the FA Cup, Ricky was playing on the left-hand side and Ricky hated playing on the left-hand side. And it was a question of shoe-owning people into... Um, Keith was always trying to shoe-own the players into various positions and somebody had to play on the left and Ricky detested it. So I'd already played there in some games and then, um, you know, the rest I just stayed in the team because I, I could kick with both feet. That's somebody at the door. That's all right. No worries. Oh, worry. Yeah, got one of them ring. <laughs> the wife's probably bought something. No, I don't know, something <laughs> Amazon or something. Sorry about that's pre advertised. No um, could be the book. Could be the book coming through from Amazon. Yeah. You can get it on there. Yes, <laughs> um, yeah. So where will we? So anyway, that it was an amazing sort of few months from there, and um, me being in the team sort of helped to balance out what was a very talented midfield sort of three or four, but none of them were great at running back. <laughs> it's funny how some, when you watch some players, some players are really good, they're really a lot quicker running forward than running back. And that would definitely apply to Ricky. Uh, we had Ricky and Glenn and Ozzy. Ozzy wasn't a problem, but, uh, you know, Glenn wasn't really one to be constantly running back towards his own goal. So... I had to, it was my job really to sort of look after that left-hand side going forward, coming back, covering for Chris Newton and obviously it was a fantastic overlapping fullback. So Chris used to bomb past me and I would just sit in and cover for him. It's, it's amazing that you mentioned like Lozzie Ardila's there as well and, and again, comes back to kind of Ireland and it's a, a bit of a tenuous link this one, but when you made your debut for Ireland, Kevin O'Callaghan was in the Kevin. squad, wasn't he? And then obviously he was a teammate famously of Aussie in Escape to Victory. Did you ever chat to them about Escape to Victory and how that came about? Uh, yeah, yeah. Aussie um, talked about it quite a lot because Aussie loved it. He said it was brilliant. He says he's never had so much fun. So he talked about all these famous people. He, he'd uh, been in the film with him. So, yeah, Aussie, Aussie said it was just a, one great big laugh. Yeah. Nobody really took it that seriously. I mean, I've seen the film. You can probably... It's, yeah. 
it's an interesting film but it's probably worth a watch but uh as you just said it was great fun and yeah. and they were very well paid so yeah it was a nice know, those were the days then. when footballers weren't earning fortunes like they are now so he said he said it was amazing meeting uh Sylvester Stallone was in it wasn't he yeah Michael Caine as well okay, so, yeah. Yeah. He's very great they're really great to work with um they all love football Sylvester Stallone struggled to understand football but he sort of seemed to like the idea of it um but I said Michael Caine was Caine was great great fun um so it, it was wonderful we all went to the premiere in London and um, we, we gave Ozzy a fair bit of stick when, when we'd all watched the film because some of the acting is a bit wooden in it, <laughs> if that's not an unfair description. But yeah, Ozzy took it in good heart. Yeah. I mean, uh, an absolute legend, isn't he, with Spurs and stuff? Oh, absolutely. Again. But, totally, uh, but yeah. did, you play, yeah. did you play in the testimonial for Ozzy where yes. Maradona played? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. That's... Um, that's mentioned, I think, in the book. We, in it, I was right. asked a question about that. Um, yeah, we played played on the same team as Maradona and um, got the ball from Maradona a couple of times and gave it oh, straight nice. back to him. I seem to remember <laughs> having a one-two. If he gave you the ball, you sort of think he was just really lending you the ball so he could have a little rest, but, you know, you had to give it back to him. That was a fantastic uh, experience to, um, to play on the same side as Maradona. And obviously Liam... Was playing on the for the other side, yeah, for Milan, Inter, it was Inter, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. Uh, and I, I, uh, he, he um, so I had a chat with him after the game, but obviously it was a, it was a very competitive game, fantastic atmosphere. Mm. Um, but it's the only time I was in the Spurs dressing room when, um, when the door opened and Maradona walked in, everybody, you know, we had Glenn, Clem, the, you name it, everybody's in there, and everybody just stopped. Wow. just quiet I just I, I don't know what it is admiration respect it was like people going up to him players going up to him asking for his autograph in the changing room and um it was yeah I'd never I'd never come across somebody who's probably so famous <laughs> I suppose I was playing with famous people but he was on like slightly different level to everybody in those days Maradona I mean incredible incredible players and he and, yeah, and, amazing uh, amazing yeah and um, another player you'd mentioned there, though, like probably one of Ireland's best ever players, Liam Brady. Obviously yeah. He played with him for many years. Did you enjoy playing with him? Love playing with him. As much as I like, but Liam was great. Love Liam because he was a fantastic player, but amazing player. And um, the fact he went, he was the first player really to go and succeed in Italy. Uh, I think he played with three different, two very top clubs. And um, that proved what an outstanding player Liam was. He was he had a real fantastic ability, good on the ball, everything. But he had a real turn of pace when he used to get get out the wrong side of a uh, a defender. He would just four or five yards. He did, could sprint away from him and then pass. You name it, he could do it. Shoot. Um, wonderful player to play with, and that was one of the reasons why. When Jack came in as a manager, I know I'm jumping a little bit, but mm. they, there was a bit of friction between him and Liam. And the frick, it wasn't the fact that Jack didn't respect him as a footballer. He did. He definitely did. He realised what a world-class player he was. He just wanted Liam to be playing a bit higher up the field. And Liam was used to sort of dropping back and receiving it off the off your back four, full back in sort of in midfield, uh, maybe in his own half. And Jack... 
Jack just didn't like that. He didn't want that. He says, I don't, I don't want that. So there was friction from the beginning about uh, the way he wanted Liam. He wanted him higher up the field and he wanted him just to do whatever he wanted higher up the field. Um, but Liam did, he, he did go with it. Um, and then, um, then there was that horrible day, which I've mentioned before, uh, the game against West Germany, which was a very sour moment. That was leading up to the 1990 World Cup, but I've jumped. I've jumped ahead there. Yeah, so, yeah. Sorry. No, no, that's absolutely fine. Because I, I was going to bring you back to you were part of the the celebrations of the 200 anniversary of the founding of Reykjavik, and that's synonymous yes. with Ireland's first yes. victory in a yeah in a competitive competition. As a sense, we did Jack, win a trophy. That was really good. Jack wanted us um, as well as making us more professional in terms of the way we prepared for games. He came across as if he didn't. He looked shambolic and disorganised. That was just an impression. Mm. He, he wanted the players to be organised together. If you were supposed to be somewhere at a certain time, you know, you had to be there. He didn't like people sort of wandering off because there, there was a thing in the past with the Irish team where they used to all disappear when they all landed in uh, Dublin. Uh, and sometimes you wouldn't see people till the, till the Monday morning training session, or it could be a Monday lunchtime. Jack. Jack stopped that, no chance. Once you're together, you're together. You're not leaving the hotel. Um, so he's very professional like that. Very professional. Um, so where where were we? What were we? And I think the, the other thing he changed though was when when they, you know, just tactically, you know, oh, and the players adapt of 86 World Cup that he yeah. done a presentation, didn't he, to you yeah. all and said, This yeah. is how we're gonna play. Yeah. We did uh we did uh, uh we got this famous session. We met on Lily Show once and he um we travelled all over the country. See, it was a day, it might be an international day, and we didn't have a game. And I remember we all turned up at this this event, so called. And Jack did did the presentation and he'd been watching quite a few teams and he just had this thing about not losing the ball in the middle of the field. You know, too many square passes, they they nick the ball, they break, they score, you're one nil down. So he just wanted the ball to be sort of higher up the pitch. He wanted the the team to push up. He wanted you to risk the ball only in the final third, if that's been a bit simplistic. But he wanted you to get the ball forward and then play all your football in that final third of the pitch. He, and he used to didn't like fullbacks passing it into midfield. Didn't like goalkeepers really rolling the ball out. Um, he said, you know, sometimes the Lansdowne pitch in those days wasn't the greatest. And um, sometimes it's quite difficult to play, to play a game that was, you know, passing the ball, rolling the ball on the floor. Sometimes it suited to a, a slightly longer ball. And the, he got a lot of criticism for it initially, but ultimately, and as you quite rightly mentioned, we won that tournament in Reykjavik. It was a, you know, it was a small tournament, but... Mm -hmm. It was significant in the sense that he got the lads together close season. We won. We we had, we played two good teams. They were both good teams. Obviously, it was Czechoslovakia in those days. I mean, so we you know we we proved we could we could match them, and uh, we became almost within a few games of Jack joining a very difficult team to play against and a difficult team to beat. And that went on then for the qualification for. Yeah. Absolutely. Euro 88, basically. Because yeah. it was a very tough group, wasn't it? Bulgaria yeah. would have been quite a threat in that they, one. They were a top team narrow. in those days. Yeah, that's one. That's a place where Jack really lost in the dressing room. We, 
it was one all, and I think I think Frank might have equalised, and we was very close towards the end of the game. Draw would have been a fantastic. They had a tremendous record at home, and um, we sort of gave the ball away somewhere around the halfway line, and the ball was lost in the usual. I don't know if it might have gone to a penalty, but it may have been. Or they attacked, and so we lost. Jack was furious, and that was Jack telling you that you know we had to come away from this place with a draw. We'd have been. De delighted. As it turned out, Scotland did as a favour on the very last game, didn't they? They, they went they to Bulgaria and won against yeah. the odds, which which meant that we um, we qualified. But obviously Belgium were in our group, a very strong team in those days. Um, so it was a very tough group. And what very was it like going along the trips then as well? Them teams as well. I mean, it, not everything would have been you know, covered by TV in those days and stuff. And I mean, yeah. I've, I've read, read Mick McCarthy's book, like, and he talks about the qualification campaign, how difficult it was, and and even the kind of dark arts, like he said, he was yeah. spat at twice and yes. that kind of stuff. Did, did that yeah. happen an awful lot? A lot of that yeah, kind of stuff. Um, you had to handle so yourself, um, I suppose. Particularly uh, when you played away from home, the um, the the referees in those days just weren't they just weren't as competent or as strong as they they, they are these days, and uh, they would. They would always defer. They would always go with if any marginal decision. They would always go with the home team. And yes, there was a lot of off the ball stuff going on, referees missing it, or or, or saying they missed it and just turning away. So there was a lot of that. Look, pull, pulling, shoving, spitting. Yeah, I mean, I once played the game, uh, the semi final, the the uh, UEFA Cup against Adjuk split away, and it was the most intimidating place I'd, I'd ever played football. And until this day, I've never played anywhere like that, fireworks. But the way they behaved on the field was unbelievable. And the referee just turned, just turned a blind eye to it all. Um, but Mitch dead right, you, you know, you had to put up with that. It was yeah. just... And obviously what they wanted, they want to get you to retaliate. Yeah. And then you'd get the booking or you'd get, you know, you could get sent off. So that's what they were very good at. And it applied to a lot of European teams in those days. Yeah. Very, you know, a lot of, lot of those teams very strong at home. And then, obviously, we sought qualification though for the like yeah. in, in, you know, again in a very tough group. Thanks yeah. to Scotland, Gary yeah. Mackay's goal, um, and you scored your international, your only international goal yeah. against Luxembourg. It's Luxembourg, yeah, yeah, yeah. In the Missed May of eighty-seven, um, yeah, but um, still, Lisa got one. Yeah, uh, yeah, and it was an important victory. We won away from home, but you know, those games are never easy. It's all about the result. Not so much about how many goals you score. I mean, the same applies today. It's all about getting the result. You know, mm. goal difference really is sort of major issue. It's getting the results that's the important thing. Yeah, um, and always so when when I saw when I was with you with Packy, Packy said he looked at the um, he looked at the team sheet for the Scotland game when we won one 0 away in Scotland, and he said he thought that was the best. He went he read everybody who played that night, and he just said. That's one of the best lineups he's ever seen in an Irish, you know, an Irish team because everybody was playing for top teams. Um, you, you know, the Liverpool, Man United, Arsenal, Tottenham. Um, so it was, it was. He just pointed that out. He's pointed out several times that particular night. Obviously, we won, and um, we we were fantastic that night. Very difficult once we got in front. Very difficult to break break down. Because um, I, I think Ronnie played full back that that night. Yeah, he did. Yeah, you know what I mean? yeah. And um, me and, and Ronnie said said to me, he says, 
you know, how important it was to have you sitting in front of me and sort of because there was wave after wave of attack. And he said, we, we were very hard to beat that. We showed how hard we were to beat that night. It was a great, great performance, great atmosphere. All the Celtic supporters were supporting us, which I'll never forget. I couldn't really get my... I'd never really experienced that before. That was yeah. unbelievable. You know, sort of a lot of the Scottish supporters supporting Ireland. That's... I, I guess that always applies. To, to yeah, yeah, always, it does yeah. in some respect, yeah. 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 When they draw Scotland. Um, yeah, so that was special. And then, yeah... And then they did us a favour, which was nice. And then we got through to the to the um, to the Euros in Germany. I mean, that that's you know the the most incredible time in Irish football, really. I think the first one everyone always remembers, it, yeah. especially Stuttgart as well. But you know, you 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 had a few injury concerns going into the tournament, no? But Jack was very loyal, wasn't he? Yeah, Jack was very loyal. Jack just always said, um, "If you're fit, you'll play. But you need to be fit." It was like you know, don't. Not good to me if you're you're not fit. So just make yourself fit. Just make sure you're not injured. Yeah. Uh, I wasn't. I was at Sheffield Wednesday in 1988, and I wasn't even in, in the first team at the end of the season. So I was playing the reserves. Jack came to watch me once in the reserves. I think he didn't. I don't know if he stayed very long. He just probably maybe half an hour or something, and left. And. I think he said to me, he says, oh, I didn't really care how you played. I wasn't interested. He was to make sure you could still run. Yeah. <laughs> so that, that's all. And then so, what well, I saw you could. So that was it for me. Um, that's the way Jack was. Obviously, he wanted, he wanted you to play in a certain way. He wanted to be able to trust his players. He didn't like bringing new players in who ne necessarily couldn't trust. He would bring them in. He had to on occasions, but he, mm. he would be a bit wary. He, pre he preferred to go with, if you like, tried and trusted. Yeah. And then obviously the build-up, you know, I mean, this was an eight-team Euros as well. Incredibly yeah. tough group. USSR, yeah. Yeah. Holland, and then um, England as well. So yeah. what was the build-up like to that England game? Because well, The build-up was, was incredible. Oh, everybody was just, I don't know, everybody was so excited. The players obviously were a bit tense, but lots of... Um, Lots of media there, obviously because the first game was, was was us against England, so we had a lot of the English media there as well interviewing us. So, no, it, it was tense, but it was a everybody was very positive, quietly confident we could, you know, get a decent result in that first game. It, it was very hot. Uh, it was I was surprised how hot it was. I don't think well, obviously I've never been to Germany. And, mm. Um, June, this would be June, was it June? Yeah, yeah, it was, so yeah. It was very hot. I do remember that. All the games, it was boiling hot. Uh, although our best performance, obviously, was the game against, well, USSR. was it the Soviet Union? Was yeah, it, it was, yeah. Soviet, uh, well, yeah, so it was, um, that was our best game, and um, that was in the evening, which suited us. Uh, it was a bit cooler. Um, so, um, but the England game, obviously, everybody remembers that um, we got in front, played well, we played well in the first half. You know, we caused them some problems, quite a few problems. They didn't get themselves going. They, they were um, on the back foot when, when they went 1-0 down. As I say, when we got in front, we were hard to beat, hard to break down. Uh, and I do remember before the game, Chris Waddle was playing, obviously he was playing uh, for England, sort of. He was, he was like, 
he was sort of looking at me and he was laughing at me. He was like having a joke before the game. And there was an air, there was a sense that they weren't taken as seriously. I'm not sure if that was the case. Mm -hmm. There was a sense from me that they were not, they thought they were going to win. Yeah. <laughs> Put it like that. They just, you just, or they, they could be sort of not treating us with the, the appropriate amount of respect. Uh, I got lots of abuse from the supporters because obviously being a white player, there was loads of uh, your English sports from all different clubs, lots of abuse, which sort of surprised me. Um, but there you are, because remember that, that was, that was because um, I was stood right out before the game started and they were having a go at me and I couldn't really work out why. <laughs> <laughs> so the Irish balls must have been in another part of the ground, I suppose. Mm. You know, probably calling me traitor and all that sort of thing. Yeah, yeah. So just get on with it. Um, but then the, their whole attitude changed during that first half because they realised they were in a game. Mm. And um, they came out in the second half. They, they played a more expansive game. The biggest mistake England made that day was Lenoll didn't start. Lenoll came in the second half and started to sort of dominate. And it passes through for Gary Lineker and others. Um, but he didn't. Bobby Robson didn't pick him. Yeah. Um, uh, so, and obviously Packy had the, in second right. half, was, was had the game of his life. Yeah. But even when I look back at some of those saves, uh, and even he said it, he, he expected to make those saves, you know. Mm. He, he was a top goalkeeper. So, yeah. could have played for anybody in, in, in England, but he decided to stay, stay where he was. He loved it there. So, um, and yeah, obviously... As I said, the rest is history. Um, and it was um, that night was unbelievable. <laughs> I thought it was. It was incredible. He just, Jack just said, make sure you're in bed by 12 o'clock. I don't care what you do. You can do whatever you like. Yeah. And obviously, you know what the Irish like. That there yeah. was there's none of this. We we've got a little room together and you're not coming in. I mean, they, we just got mobbed by um, football supporters. There was no, I mean, it wouldn't happen these days, would you? Because you'd be fenced no. off, you'd be in a room somewhere, uh, lots of security. It wasn't like that. Um, and everybody was there that night will remember it because it was such a famous occasion. I mean, to beat England in, in, in a tournament was, was the, I don't think anybody could really believe it. Yeah. And especially the first tournament as well. And, and yeah, yeah, like, I mean the first tournament. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, yeah. I mean it's just yeah, you know, the yeah. first time on the world stage, really. Yeah, especially because yeah, the course. world would have been and watching it. When I've tried to when people look at it, my son even says to me that he can't he can't believe that there was only eight teams in it. Yeah. <laughs> and then when when you go through, you name all those teams. I mean, we're talking the top teams, probably top teams in the world at the time. Yeah. Uh, in that tournament. It's unbelievable. It's a really strange one, actually. I know it's a bit obscure to mention this, but you know they had the kind of pennants sometimes, and it has the qualifying qualifying teams on the pennant, yeah. and it had your. Yeah. And they actually had the Northern Ireland logo on that for Ireland because they didn't <laughs> really have it. So, I mean, that just shows you. It's, Is it really? I did. Yeah, they did. Yeah, some of it. Um, I've got oh, one of them somewhere in the in the collection. But yeah, look, it, it's yeah, look, it, it was summed up fantastically. I think Christy Moore's song wasn't it? Joxa. He, he sums up the whole experience then, and then on, on, obviously on to play. Uh, USSR, yeah. um, and I know the you know amazing goal in that game, Ronnie Whelan's yeah. incredible goal. Um, and then sadly, 
going out to an incredible Dutch team because it was literally the yeah. the, the group winners, wasn't it? And, and yeah. so yeah, Jack Jack was um, Jack was an angry man at the Soviet Union game because um, I got brought down um, by Dasayev, goalkeeper, completely nailed me, sort of got the ball, just knocked knocked it past him. Down I went. And I didn't even, I wasn't even, I wasn't even sure what had happened. And Jack just said, Jack with matches, he had to go at the referee, he just said he was a disgrace. And that, that was an example where sometimes they used to, ooh, famous goalkeeper, big country, big team, small country, small team. There were, you know, there's an element of that. Jack said that it was a blatant penalty and, uh, you know, we, we were winning 1-0 then. And they got the other end and equalised. But... Even though I wasn't playing for around that, that many years, that was definitely the best performance that I'd ever been involved with. We were un unbelievable that night as a team. I don't know what came over us, but we played some fantastic football as well. You know, so football, jump light, progressive, up, get the ball forward, but, you know, take people on, one-twos, crosses in the box. Um, it was a shame we, we couldn't, we didn't win that game. We, did, we definitely deserved to. And then obviously going on to the Saturday game, again, baking hot. It was absolutely baking. Um, you know, I've never seen so many orange shirts, obviously. You know, they're supposed, it was quite close to the border, wasn't it, the ground? Mm, yeah. So um, amazing atmosphere. Again, we started off well. The Paul McGrath hit the post. Uh, we, we, were, we were sort of causing them real problems. I think that he got to us and then they gradually found the feet. And probably for about 70 minutes of that game, maybe 60 minutes, they, they would, it's a phrase, they passed us to, to death. They just passed, they passed us, passed us. And all you felt you were running around and not really getting the ball. So we'd get the ball and it, it constantly be coming back to you. And obviously it wears you down. Mm. But when we got, near towards the end of the second half, we, we thought they'd sort of run out of ideas and Rude Hollick changed positions, they moved him around and there was a sense that we could hang on. But they, they scored what was a fortunate goal. It was just yeah. no other way to describe it. It was just weird, the goal. And it watching it where, where I was on the pitch, it seemed to be in slow motion, the, the ball just spinning and and Packy, Packy couldn't do anything about it. It was, it was a horrible goal to lose to. We'd have yeah. preferred to lose to one where somebody sort of hammered it into the top corner. From, but yeah, and it was, a, it was quite frustrating, disappointing. The boys were really down uh, after the game, really down. Yeah, I think Jack said later, didn't it? It was a fantastic chance for us because no one really knew what to expect from Ireland and was yeah. had under written us off basically and, and maybe not respected them. But you know, so yeah, about an incredible time for the Irish supporters. And obviously then a team kind of coming having that experience and in their prime, basically. Yeah. Going off to try and qualify for a World Cup in, yeah. in two years later. So and that was what was required, really, you know, after that. It, you had to you had to go on and qualify for a World Cup. I and mean, that was really the, the only aim that had to be achieved with, with, with a team, with such a strong team. Obviously, I was getting towards the end of my career, but Jack kept me in the squad. I was in every single squad that, that Jack picked. Um, 
I think I was sub a couple of times. I played in one game in Spain, which we lost. Um, but Jack wanted to keep the squad together. And even though um, Kevin Sheedy would be playing where I was playing before, he still wanted the same players around him, even if they weren't on the pitch. So Frank carried on. Liam was carrying on. I carried on. Other Some of the older players, they were carrying on. He didn't want to bring new faces in. He said he, he had enough. He didn't... You know, he had his sort of 14, 15 people who he would pick regularly. Um, and unfortunately, going into the... I was, I'd was moved to Swindon then, and unfortunately, I was... Um, I just had a serious problem in my back. It was just sort of wear and tear, so I had to have an operation. And Jack gave me two weeks before announcing the squad. He said, I've kept a place open for you, but you just have to prove your fitness. And in the end, I had to ring him up and say, Jack, I'm just, it's just not fair. I'm not going to be fit enough. So you need to make a decision now about who you want to put in the squad. So Jack then had a couple of weeks to ponder. And uh, Bernie, I think Bernie Slavering was the yeah, one did, yeah. who, who went into the squad. So I went to Malta with him to the training camp. That was great. I enjoyed that. Did a bit of rehab work uh, with Mick. And it, it, was, um, it was good. And it was nice because... Um, I had a few few evenings with Jack in the bar and the lads had obviously gone. So a couple some reports and it was nice to have a chat because when you when you sort of playing, Jack was always kept his distance. He wasn't one really to be mingling a lot with the players after the game. He would a little bit, but um it was nice and he was relaxed, a bit more relaxed. And he, you know, he told you a few stories about leads and other stuff and about managing and what it was like in Newcastle and all that sort of stuff. Mm. Um, so that was nice. Uh, and anyway, I, and I sat on the bench in the first game when we drew with England, played really well. Draw was the right result. Probably didn't deserve to win, but we didn't deserve to lose. Uh, and then I uh, flew home because Swindon, Aussie was managing, Swindon were in financial, had a real financial problem. They'd been promoted, Swindon to the first division, as was, and they got relegated two divisions because of financial irregularities that predated Aussie. And so I came back just to help out and give a bit of support to Aussie. Uh, and Swindon then got reinstated back to, to where they started. So they went up to the first, down to the third, back to the second, where they started. Uh, so anyway, and that was... That was uh, that was my last experience of that. So my last experience was the England game, watching that game that night. Um, that was a nice one to go so you, out. So you did get to the World Cup, there. though. Yeah, and, so you got to the World, you got to the World yeah, Cup, though, as part of yeah, it. So yeah, it I did. I, I was there, yeah. and I would have been, you know, I would have been. Jack, won, you know, he, he had, he, he wanted you to, he said, you can help out, you can do, you know, stay with the goalkeepers after the, you know, the lads go in, you can... There's always something useful you can do. And, and I think he wanted Frank to sort of adopt that sort of role because Frank wasn't involved in any games, I don't think, was he? No, no. Yeah. So I think that was... Um, I'm not sure how Jack and Frank got on, actually. Yeah. <laughs> uh, that, um, I think uh, I've heard a few. I'm not sure if they got on that one. I don't know. You might know more about that than I do. <laughs> No, I don't know. I mean, it's interesting as an Irish fan reading all the books now and, and people reflect, don't they, in time and stuff. And, yeah. and, and I think even on the back of like Liam Brady had a wonderful film out recently, yeah. didn't he, 
about his time abroad. And um, it was, you know, he, he says how Jack wrote to him after and apologised. And, you know, they they apologize. kind of, they did, yeah, they did make up kind of thing of. Did they make up that? Yeah, they did. Did they make up a? Did they meet at a game or where did, did they meet? Separately? I think it was a letter that he sent at the end of a career of his career or something. He did. Yeah. There was a letter and, and Liam reads yeah. it and says that he, he, you know, wasn't out of anything kind of malicious how he was. But um, yeah. I mean, you, overall, you you must have been well respected by Jack from to bring you there and 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 you yeah, know, from an iconic yeah, time. No, and they're adamant. They they're adamant. They wanted me to go. Yes. Yeah. No, I want you there. So um, just come and enjoy it and do what you can. Um, yeah, absolute respect, and 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 obviously I do have to go back to the. So when in the I think it was December, before the nineteen ninety World Cup, we played a game against West Germany, and Jack played some of the older players, just really just to check they were up to it, still up to it. So me, Frank, Liam played in that game, and we were pretty poor in the first half, but we we're playing against a very strong team. Uh, there was no Italian players in the team that day um, but because it was a friendly but um, essentially that that was the team that went on to win the World Cup yeah. so that was my last ever ever game that would have been my last game because the Spain game had been before that so this is really Jack wanted to test with these players up for the to go in the squad uh, and that's the most difficult dressing room I've ever been in ever in my career at any level Amateur, non-league, professional, you name it. That was the saddest dressing room, most awkward dressing room I've ever been in half time. Because Jack took Liam off. I think Jack said he thought we were being overrun in midfield. Uh, we didn't have the legs or something. So he took Liam off, I, I think, about half an hour into the first mm. half. But it was before the first half had finished. And the argument was... Why did Jack? Why did you do it? Why did you have to do it? Couldn't you wait till half time? And Liam took it as a slur that he could have waited half time. It was from his own supporters. His career was coming to an end for Ireland, and um, basically it was everybody just got in the dressing room, just looked at the floor or each other, and tried not to avoid, tried to avoid what was going on. It was just an argument between them, between those two. It was horrible, really. It was horrible. It was really, and then we went out and played well in the second half. We uh, Frank may well have scored anyway. We equalised. We drew that game, and Jack came up to me after the game and said, "Right, that's it. You're going to the World Cup. I've seen enough today to know that you've, you're fine. If we're really desperate, <laughs> and then, you know, it was one of them. If we're really mm. desperate, I can put you on the pitch. But it was a." It was a horrible day, really, that to see that going on between Liam and Jack. So I'm pleased to hear that they, yeah, they, they did. Yeah, I wasn't yeah, really necessarily aware of that. Yeah, that that's from the film. Uh, yeah, it's it's, it's a nice thing of when he reads and he, he reads his letter from him, and, and yeah, that wasn't from a bad place, basically. But yeah, and I know that you you did like back to Jack. I mean, it's it's two, two iconic figures in Irish football, and, and Jack was headstrong, as we know, and Liam probably is as well. Yeah, um, yeah, totally. Yeah. yeah, but um, you know, and, and I know that in later years they had a reunion, didn't they, for Jack and Carlton House? You attended yes. that, didn't you? And that yeah, was I wouldn't do that. Yeah, that was fantastic. That was really yeah. well put together, well organised, very impressive. Yeah. Uh, sat on Jack's table. Obviously, by then Jack was, you know, he was he wasn't particularly well. He was mm. with his wife, but he he was smiling at me. So and, yeah. you know, it was nice to see him smile. 
Um, his wife was really good looking after him. It was a fantastic evening, really, really well organised. Yeah. And we had a lot, we had a fantastic turnout of ex-players as well. Um, yeah. And obviously 88, the 90s and, and, and lads Wonderful. later turned up. The, some of the lads have played 90s, the early 2000s were there as well. Yeah. Uh, I think um, Nile was behind it a lot. Yeah, Nile was, yeah. Nile did a I think it's job. a lovely thing to do. And I think, you know, yeah. like even you're saying about in the aftermath of the England game that you all partied with the fans. I think that's yeah. unique with the Irish football that, uh, you know, iconic names, figures, moments in Irish football and, and the history for the for the team and stuff. But yeah. you, they're all grounded, the lads. They're all together and and and, and I think yeah. respect the fans as well and, and the engagement with fans. As You know, you've shown that yourself with, you know, coming to Risk London events and stuff yeah. and everyone loves meeting ex-players and, and yeah. chatting about these times because it's important, I think, to have the memories and... Yeah, and, absolutely. And but that was something that's a bit unique about playing yeah. um, playing for Ireland is that the way the supporters and the players sort of mixed. Yeah, you know they they mixed really well. And even if you know the game hadn't gone particularly well, there was sort of you know well as long as you tried your best, you know they'd be yeah. pretty fair. Yeah, yeah, as long as you you know they could tell if you didn't try. But you're playing for Ireland, representing your country. So um, if you didn't try your best playing for Ireland, then. Uh, Pointless you've been there, and then and obviously, you know, there were moments when Jack would lose his temper and you know, plays would be dropped. It did happen. Jack wasn't scared of dropping anybody. Mm. Um, he, you know, he, he knew what he wanted, but it was a it was a fantastic time. And it, from my point of view, I was proud to be part, and I know I've said this before, mm. just proud to be part of what was the start of of what I don't know, 10, 12, 15 what, years of, of successful Irish football, international football. So we laid, a, there was a, I don't know what you call it, a base, a foundation was yeah, laid foundation, yeah. in the late 80s. And it was nice to be part of that and see some of the outstanding players that followed us, you know, the likes of Robbie Keane and, and other players. And Rob, Robbie has said that, Obviously, he, he grew up watching that team, so they inspired mm. um, they inspired a lot of footballers, um, that sort of 80s, 90s team. Yeah. Um, so no, it's amazing. It's an amazing time. And um, now, like, I just want to thank you for your time again. I'm going to throw out the book. This Don't forget the book, book yeah. I mean, there's a, there's, yeah, there's, a fair bit, there's a fair bit in there about Jack and playing for Ireland, yeah. so it's, it's in the book. Yeah, yeah, it's a fantastic book. I mean, it's great insight, obviously, into your your career as well, and your brothers, and and just all the the legends that are featured in, it, like you say, yeah. Hoddle, Matt Busby's yeah. mentioned, Jack Charlton, and everybody. And yeah. um, we we are just to, just to announce as well, Risk London, uh, the London Sports Club, we're going to be at the Cladder Ring on Friday, the 9th of June, uh, which is is literally almost a few days shy of of the the thirty five years on from Ray Houghton's putting the ball in English net. Yeah. Uh, which we've, we're going to be joined by Tony at that for a book signing. So do get to the Claddering in Northwest London, and uh, we'll hear more of Tony's stories about uh, Irish football and, and the days in the in the green of Ireland. But I just want to thank you for your time, Tony. Absolutely brilliant as usual. Okay. And uh, best of luck with the book. Cheers. Thank you. Cheers. Cheers.